Amanda, thank you so much for coming on The 15-Minute Founder. As you can probably tell from the name, we're going to try to learn everything about you in 15 minutes. And the first thing I want to ask you is, for the math nerds out there, there's this concept called ancestral math, which is that in order for you or myself to be here, it actually takes 12 generations, that's 2 to the 12th or 4,096 ancestors, to bring us to the world today. Who out of those 4,096 ancestors would you say has been the most influential on who you are today and how you got here today? I do not have to go that far back. So my dad has an incredible story. He was raised by his grandparents. When he was 16, he lived in his car to complete high school and then got married really young and started his own plumbing business. And so the gap that he had to take or the leap that he had to take to get to where he is, which is owning his own company, putting my brother and I, you know, giving our, us an amazing life. We both went to college, which we're both first generation college grads. I don't have to go that far back because his story is pretty incredible. And he really, really taught me the power of, you know, just believing in yourself and setting your mind on building something and you can do it. He was so involved as a father while building his company. And so I think that that really gave me a lens for how I wanted to approach being a founder. I love that. And I'm curious, you mentioned that your father was actually building a company too. I actually find that you have a very interesting path or maybe non-traditional is how you describe it too, but my understanding is you're a multiple founder. You also have a deep marketing experience. You've been a chief marketing officer. And now I would maybe say you're a full-time creator or, you, or you're doing it part-time on the side. Part-time. Talk to me about how you went from founding companies to, it sounds like now, on the side being a full-time creator in addition to having a full-time job. Yeah. So it's it's a little crazy. So I started my career at Ernst & Young. I was managing the Entrepreneur of the Year program. So analyzing companies, shepherding founders through that program, which kind of gave me a front row seat into how other people built companies. Then started my first tech company, which was in the wedding space. Got That was like back when New York City texting was just heating up. So I got to do like an accelerator program, really learn what it meant to be a founder myself, what kind of leader I wanted to be. That took me to The Knot, uh, where I led marketing for five years, um, led it through uh, an acquisition and a merger with our competitor. So learned a ton. And then COVID hit, decided to uh, keep my day job while I started a CPG company for women. Fast forward, sold that company last summer, took a full-time job. So I'm still working a nine-to-five, leading innovation for a wellness brand, and decided two months ago to kind of take on a full-time creator role, launching a newsletter, um, working on a few other projects. So yeah, I've always had a couple of things going at the same time. There's this concept called the four idols, which says that for any person, one of these four things drives or influences most of their daily mm -hmm. decisions. Money, power, pleasure, or fame. What would you say drives the Amanda of today? Is it money, power, pleasure, or fame? It is money and pleasure right now, but 10 years ago, it was all about power. Like I idolized people who had large teams that could you know, get a, a huge team to follow them and really influence without authority. Like that was what I, I loved growing up in my career. But now it's really driven by autonomy and freedom and the fact that I can shape my life how I want it to be. That's what's driving me into this kind of next chapter and season. If you had to choose between the money and the pleasure, what, what do you think comes to the pleasure. top? Pleasure. As I get older, play becomes so important to me because I think that that's what keeps you young and vital and really keeping a good head on your shoulders is, is balancing, not taking yourself too seriously and truly just remembering that like we are here for a short amount of time. 
like enjoy it and have fun. I think I took myself very seriously in my 20s. I actually, I'm glad you said that. I noticed you had this tweet that really blew up. It was about things that you learned. I think you'd recently turned 35 and you said, hey, here are things that I would have told my 25-year-old self. What would you say is the biggest thing that you would tell your 20 or 25-year-old self having gone through and having learned everything you've learned today? I would just tell her she's gonna be okay. I think that there was this constant feeling like I'm not going to be okay. And so you're you're constantly scrambling to figure out like who you are, who who you're going to be. Just slow down and just be you. You're going to figure it out. And I, you try to rush the process so much in your 20s and you can't. Like that's the thing no one tells you. You cannot rush that process. You just have to experience as your guide in your 20s. And then you hit your 30s and you're like, oh yeah, that that thing that I've experienced now three times that no longer shakes me to my core. Oftentimes I'm doing something and I think, crap, I wish I started earlier because you realize 100%. how long and how much work it takes. With that in mind, why did you decide to start being a creator on the side in addition to everything you were doing? What really led to you deciding to, on top of everything you have, your kids, work, et cetera, say, I'm going to dive into this thing, this, this newsletter, and really build this brand and build this business on the side? So after I sold House of Wise, I took a little bit of time. I was just like, I did a lot of introspective work to figure out what gives me energy these days. And I found that I just love writing. And so I just like, I'm a big believer in following where what is giving you energy that feels like I'm stepping closer into alignment with where I'm going in this next season of life. And I, I tweeted this the other day. It's like, are you looking for advice or are you looking for permission? And in that call, I think I was for sure looking for permission to take up space which my advice, like going back to my younger self is like, stop looking for that. Like you don't need someone to tell you, hey, go start a podcast, go start a newsletter. Like you don't need that, but something about our human nature really, really needs that. And so I, I notice that when I'm talking to other people who I can see they're looking for that from me, I kind of go out of my way to remind them that they they can do this and they should do this. That is so true. I think complimenting someone is something which has asymmetric upside. Just like you said, the impact it can have on the other person, that could be the difference between someone persisting or exactly. stopping. Exactly. Like people don't realize, and I respond to every email that I get from the newsletter. Like wow. when they when they respond to something that took me a few hours to write, like that means so much. And I'm like, literally that's what keeps me going. You also talked about this concept called Ambition 2.0 or a Success 2.0. Yeah. And what I liked about that is it could be a hot topic or divisive topic, but sometimes the concept of hard work comes up. And on one end of the spectrum, there's, you know, work smart, don't work hard. On the sure. other end, there's a combination of, hey, hustle porn, work for the sake of working, and maybe you're not working mm -hmm. in the right direction. What does Success 2.0 look to you or look like to you or mean to you? Is it truly possible to be successful without sacrificing? And can you balance the two how do you fit everything into your day and how do you try to balance the two? I believe that everything has to go, has to align with intention. Like we are just focused on output. Like how much can you get done? I remember I had a boss one time tell me, like I was getting all of my, my work done. I was hitting all of my goals and I was leaving at four because, you know, my I got divorced. My kids were four, three ish and zero. So they were super young and they go to bed so early. So I was leaving at four and I had this person say to me, 
well, think about what you could achieve if you stayed till five. That's now crossing a line for me that is a non-negotiable because I have multiple goals. And my intention for my life is to hit those multiple pillars of success. And so to me, success 2.0 is being very aware of what your pillars of success are because we've been kind of programmed to believe that success is tied directly to career and not success is tied to your relationships and how deep they are and how meaningful they are, or your relationship, you know, if you choose to have kids, like your relationship with your children. I believe that success is about looking at it through multiple lanes of your life. I think you kind of answered this already. I had to ask though, how do you fit everything into a day? So I think you mentioned some of the pillars, some of the things that you've systemized and you have the weekly structure or the daily structure in terms of exercise. Take me through your morning routine. Like, what does a day in the life, the first few hours of your day look like? Yeah, so I'm a morning person. I have been since I can remember because I was an athlete my whole life. And I taught group fitness in college, so I taught 6 a.m. workout classes in college. So 5 to 7, I write and get what I call my offense. I have offense and defense strategy. So offense, it's my work. It's moving big meaty projects that I need to align to my goals. So five to seven is offense time, getting something done. Then I I break and with my kids, I get them to school. Then I head straight to the gym because I get the, I find that that sets the tone for like how I eat for the rest of the day. Come back, I eat, and then I go right into my day job. Um, And that's usually 11 to about 3.30. I try to really, really time box any meetings. Meetings are the number one thing that I rid my calendar of every single week. I do not attend like weekly update meetings. Like all of those things go out of my calendar and I focus on the impactful meetings that I can get something from or give something to. And then 3.30, I try to take a walk come back and I take what's called a commute bath. I believe in the power of transitions. I am a very kind of more in my masculine energy or assertive energy when I'm working. And then I want to transition into, you know, a little bit more softer maternal energy when I receive my kids. And so, and then I'm with my kids. I enjoy that. I'm super present. I'm not thinking about work. When they're in bed by eight, I get eight to nine, nine thirty to really just be with my partner, be by myself and just enjoy that. And then I'm in bed by like nine fifteen, nine thirty. Wow. There, there's a ton in there. I love that commute bath and the idea of the transitions between different stages of the day and I guess different stages of the week. That's awesome advice. I think to wrap up here, there's been a ton of things you've shared and I have to ask for a couple more pieces of advice that you yeah. share with people. For anyone out there currently dating right now, what would you say is the currently the biggest piece of relationship advice you would give to someone? What I find is we are all super distracted individuals and there's shiny objects everywhere. I think there's a lot of people looking for love, but they're also looking for attention and validation. I would just encourage people to try going deep with someone. What's the worst that can happen is, okay, I find out that this is not my person. Great. But like when you can truly give all of your attention to a person, you can actually see and learn like what you need in a relationship. So just try it out, see what happens. That thing you said around what's the worst that can happen That's something which I really think about all the time, which is this idea of asymmetric upside or downside. What can you do which has small input or downside, but could have a huge return for you? And oftentimes the biggest blocker is it feels cringe or you're scared to do it or scared if you're no. In your life so far, 
Is there a time when you shot your shot? You did that thing, you were scared to do it, and it led to an asymmetric upside return. Every day. Like, I try to shoot my shot with a DM or an email or something every single day. Wow. I think that you have to increase your, your luck surface area by just putting yourself out there. When you get an email to be on a podcast or to go do something, most people's initial reaction is like, no. Like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to like, oh, I can think of a thousand excuses. Every time I hear my my brain say no, that means it's an immediate yes. And I don't think about it because I have to count to five and just put myself out there. And it has always been such an incredible return on fear. <laughs> I'll, I'll say one of the biggest things that happened at The Knot, you know, I tried to get a, a raise and, you know, money budgets, all the things. And I said, okay, well, if you can't give me a raise, I want to be media trained and, and be the face of the company because I, that was a skill that I wanted to have for my career. And they did it. They put me on you know, a circuit. I did local news and all the way up to Access Hollywood and like did the whole thing. That was terrifying. Every single time before I would go on TV, my hands are sweating and my heart is racing. But that unlocked so much like courage. And, and now it's just so calm to be in front of people or in front. Like, so just keep putting yourself out there. It just keeps getting easier and better. That's such a great story because I, I feel this and even you know, before doing a podcast or a speaking event, et cetera, you still get the butterflies. For sure. And I think I've realized you never get less scared, but you get more brave. You get the courage, as yeah. you said, that muscle well that you're said. building. Yeah. And it looks like every day you're attacking that demon, but you're doing yeah. it every day. You're building that muscle. So, hey, I guess I got to start sending a DM every day or what you, you said's great, expanding that luck service area. For sure. To wrap up, final thing I do have to ask you and yeah. want to ask you is, it can always be scary when you're sitting on the edge, scary to take the leap, whether that's starting a business, whether that's jumping out of your lane, whether that's fear of disappointing someone. It could be your parents, could be your partner, could be coworkers. What advice would you give for someone who's doing that? You've done this with starting companies, with starting your newsletter, but if someone is on the edge out there, what would you tell them in terms of thinking through that really critical phase where on the other end of that mountain or the other end of that decision could be everything they're dreaming of? I think you hit it on the head. It's, it's doing the inner work to understand where your fear comes from because once you can identify when your subconscious is leading you versus your conscience, that's huge. So do the work so that you as a 37-year-old adult person is building these things, you recognize when your six-year-old self is actually spiraling inside and you can calm that person down and then keep going. Because I think a lot of times what stops somebody is all of that inner turmoil that they do not have a handle on. So therapy, what I call shadow work, understanding what's constantly following you around as an adult, really getting in tune with that and getting in control of it. I can't think of a better way to end there. Amanda, thank you so much for coming yeah. on The 50 Minute Founder. What is the best way that people can find you? What is the name of your newsletter? How can they follow along? Yeah, so newsletter is called Life's a Game. You can find me on Twitter, X. Um, that's where I'm most active or LinkedIn. I show a little bit more of the chaos of behind the scenes of single mom craziness on Instagram. But yeah, you can find me on any of those platforms or head to amandagets.com. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thanks.